Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, everybody. Cheryl Ackeson here. Welcome to another edition of Full Measure After Hours. On today's episode, my full interview with country music star John Rich as part of my reporting on what COVID-19 shutdowns have done to Music City and the music business. Not long ago, I was shooting a report in Sturgis, South Dakota, for full measure, and I met somebody who owned a restaurant there, but also on the side is involved in the music industry in Nashville, Tennessee. And he told me, you should see what's happened to the music industry in Nashville as a result of the COVID-19 shutdowns. And obviously, when you think about it, it would have to be greatly impacted, the place that relies on live music venues and crowds. But I hadn't given any thought to this until the subject was brought up. So I decided after that to do a little digging around and investigate exactly what's happened to the music industry in Nashville because of the coronavirus restrictions. So the result of what I learned is the subject of my cover story this Sunday on Full Measure. That's February 28th. I hope you'll watch it because in addition to just the editorial content of the story, there is some amazing scenery. You know, Nashville still is a very vibrant and colorful town. There's some history there that you probably didn't know about that has been impacted by the COVID-19 shutdowns. That'll all be part of the story. But as part of the story, country music star John Rich was kind enough to give me some of his time and some of his thoughts. He also let me record in his downtown Nashville bar where a young artist was playing and singing to a mostly empty room. And she also spoke with us about the impact on her. But here's my interview with John Rich. We're here to look at um, what's happening to Nashville. Can you just summarize what you see has happened to this town, the Music City, when COVID has come to town and really changed the way everything operates? Well, COVID has come to town, but other things have come to town as well. So we can go through them all. You know, we started off 2020 with a tornado that ripped the guts out of this town. I mean, horrific. It seems like 10 years ago, because 2020 seemed like it took 10 years. It started off with a tornado, then it was COVID, and all of our businesses shut down. Then our mayor raised our taxes 34% in the middle of a pandemic. And then a bomb went off one block right over there a couple of weeks ago. That was 2020 in Nashville. Um, you know, the, this, this is called Music City for a reason because the music in this town, the live music in this town, and I don't mean the famous people, I mean the ones you don't know of that are singing in these bars up and down the street. Right now you can hear them through these windows. They're so talented, and there's so many of them. They come here from all over the world. There's people here from other countries coming in here, and, of course, all the states, Canada, places like that, and people come here to hear live music. So when you talk about something like COVID, 
Our whole industry revolves around what? Crowds. Crowds. And you can't have crowds when you got COVID going on. So the musicians like myself who've been around a long time and have, and have had some good careers, you know, we can withstand it. We can go through a year, no shows, you know, it, it's not good, but you, you can do it. You can survive it. But these artists, they play for tips. You know, they sit out a tip jar. Somebody says, hey, can you play some Charlie Daniels? And they throw a $10 bill in it. That's how they make their money. With no crowds, there's no money. So a lot of our talent, a lot of our homegrown talent that's in this town have had to move back to wherever it is they're from. I mean, there's a lot of bands aren't even here now. So it, it, is, it, has, it has taken a massive toll on this town. I think people can understand how business people have been hurt and the bottom line of an artist who's struggling may be hurt. But what do you see as perhaps the impact artistically of the talent pool and what will be coming out of Nashville because of this lull, I guess you would mm -hmm. call it, that we've been going through? That's a great question because, you know, you got to think every big country artist you've ever heard of started on this street. Go talk to Garth Brooks. He'll tell you. When he first came to Nashville, he came down to Broadway and heard the talent here and turned around and drove back home because he went, I got to practice, you know, and then he came back. Guys like me, we could go down the line, Blake, Dirks, you know, name somebody. They've all cut their teeth down here in these bars. So all these people that you don't know their name that are currently playing on the street and the ones that have had to go back home, those are your next Garth Brookses and your next Big and Riches and your next Tim McGraws, your next Faith Hills. That's who they are. Like those people are gonna, some of them are gonna wind up being the next crop of really, really great artists and they're not here. So I don't know what the effect of that will be. We are hoping that things get turned back on in the not too distant future and they all come back. You know, the good thing about music is it never dies. It never dies. Music, music can, it has survived everything. And I think, you know, music does bind people together. Music is therapeutic. You know, for millions of people that come to Nashville every year on a regular year, they come here to hear that live music because there's energy coming off that stage. It, it's something they don't have in their town. They come here to feel it and to watch that talent and go, wow, can you believe how great it sounds in here and look at all this energy. They, you know, the fans have missed it too. So uh, music turning back on is, is gonna be a huge thing when that finally happens. I don't know the story of how you came up. Um, did that involve working at small venues and getting noticed and doing the things mm -hmm. that young artists are doing today? Yeah, so I was still in high school. I grew up in Texas, in Amarillo, Texas, and there, there is no music business in Amarillo, Texas. You better be able to herd cows or drive a combine or something like that. But moved here when I was in high school. My mother's a Tennessean, so we had moved back for that reason. And um, I started entering talent contests when I was 17. So I was walking into bars at 17 with a guitar and they're like, you're not old enough to be in here. I go, I just want to sing in the talent show. They'd go, sit here, drink this can of Coca-Cola and keep, make sure it stays in the can and we'll let you sing. And I remember uh, Trace Atkins and Tracy Lawrence and you know people that went on to be big stars were in those same talent contests. And that, that's where I got started. And then I got a job at Opryland, which was here. I wish we still had Opryland. I worked there uh, right out of high school and then Met some guys that wanted to start a band, call it Lone Star, because we're all from Texas. I went and toured with that band, and then that led to Big and Rich and solo stuff that I've done. So, you know, being here and being on the ground, you know, the old phrase, must be present to win. 
that's that's true and especially in nashville you can't you could be the greatest singer in the world but if you're living out in tucson or seattle or somewhere else you're not in nashville you're not going to get noticed you know you got to make the commitment to come here and thousands of people do but because of covid and and killing and crushing these bars like it has a lot of them have gone back home i hope they come back you might have made it regardless some other route but have you thought about what it would have been like if you'd have been 17 years old and come here and there hadn't been talent shows and people around the same people getting a look at you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's. I'm a high school graduate. I grew up in a double wide trailer in Amarillo, Texas. I am nothing fancy. I am self-taught. Uh, failure has been my best teacher, uh, but I'm an American dream chaser. I believe that we are, we are the only country that's given a right to pursue happiness to its citizens. You know, we don't have the right to be happy in this country. We have the right to pursue happiness. Big difference in those two things. I believe we have the right to pursue it, to go for it, to dream big, work hard. No guarantee you're going to get it. To, to answer your question, would I have still made it? Probably, because I would have figured it out, because that's the kind of drive I have, and that's, that's how much passion I had for it. And I feel like that's why God gave me that gift, so I could go out there and do something good with it. So I would have I made it, but it definitely helped me to have avenues here in Nashville where I could get on a mic and sing it pretty good, but not as good as that guy and realize I got to up my game. It's all part of the process. And then my last question is, for people who don't know much about how Nashville works or haven't thought much about it, what would you like them to know about this time period, what Nashville's going through, what may come of all of this? If you love music, and especially country music, find a way to get here come see us you know our bars are at 50 percent capacity but we still got bands playing you know we'll hand you a mask at the door you know we'll hook you up sit down have a cocktail tip those bands do it for yourself because you feel good when you come to nashville you'll hear that great music help these bands get back on their feet you know uh, they're important to the culture of the united states i believe music we invented rock and roll we did that we invented country music that's american you know, this is our music. This is our town. This is America's town to come here and be entertained. So if you're looking for somewhere to go, come here to Nashville. We, we could use a little injection of, of energy and a little injection of tip money in those tip jars for these bands that are struggling. Country music star John Rich. More about what's coming up on this week's Full Measure right after a short break. Do you have something to say and want to make your own podcast? Let me tell you how to do that for free with Anchor. Anchor has creation tools that let you record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. You can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's all you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. The news as we once knew it no longer exists. It's become a product molded and shaped to suit the narrative. Facts that don't fit are omitted. Off-narrative people and views are controversialized or neatly deposited down the memory hole. My new book, Slanted, How the News Media Taught Us to Love Censorship and Hate Journalism, is filled with important context regarding the death of the news as we once knew it. Pick up your copy of Slanted today. We are back. 
And in addition to my cover story this week on Full Measure that has to do with the music industry and the impact, particularly in Nashville, of the COVID-19 shutdowns, I'm also going to have a really interesting story, I think, out of Gillette, Wyoming. I visited the Dry Fork Station coal plant, a giant coal plant, that I guess is considered clean coal. And I used to think that clean coal was just sort of a propaganda name for something that couldn't possibly be clean. But actually, as I learned, today's modern coal plants are much cleaner than the ones we used to see pictures of with black smoke billowing out of the chimneys. But the reason I was here in Gillette, Wyoming, was to do a story on a really interesting contest, an international contest involving scientists. It's called the Carbon X Prize. And engineering teams from around the world have been chosen to compete at this site where I was on, and um, also at a site in Canada, to see who can come up with the best practical ideas to use and sell items made from CO2 flue gas. This is some of the gas that people say is so harmful that comes from coal plants. And these scientists have thought of all kinds of ways to repurpose the material, things I'd never thought of or didn't even know was possible. For example, one group of scientists was using CO2 flue gas to make concrete blocks. And I was also shown samples of all kinds of things. It's sort of like you can, I guess, make it part of a lot of different things. Hand sanitizer, watches, plastic goods. There was another team of scientists working as part of this XPRIZE contest that uh, was using CO2 flue gas to mix with solar and make some kind of product that turns into jet fuel. The Carbon X Prize, by the way, is a $20 million engineering competition. I looked into it, um, and it started four or five years ago. There were 47 teams from eight countries that submitted applications and then got narrowed down to like 10 finalists, and they were given access to facilities where they could take some of the CO2 right out of the operating plant and experiment with it on the products that they're trying to make and the things that they're trying to do. Ultimately, there will be this huge prize awarded split between two teams. We'll hear about that probably in the next couple of months or so. And by the way, when it comes to the modern coal plants, uh, the newest technologies really allow all kinds of controls that minimize the pollution coming from the smokestacks. That's why at the Gillette plant, when you look at it, it looks like there's steam coming out of the stack, nothing black. In fact, it was explained to me that's water vapor and about 12.5% CO2, which, you know, we breathe out CO2 and it makes plants live. At least that's what I was taught growing up. Um, But it's regulated as a pollutant when it's produced by the industry. So that's why it's very sensitive. Obviously, If the coal industry or the fossil fuel industry, which has sponsored this contest, can find a way to make use of the CO2 that is produced or comes out of these coal plants, all the better. Um, Right now, 5% of this particular power plant's exhaust gas is diverted into a network of pipes that allow these researchers and technology developers to get some of that flue gas to experiment on. When they don't have a real plant, they're working maybe in a university setting and they don't have a giant life-sized ability to practice or experiment. A lot of it's more theoretical. But here at the Dry Fork Station coal plant, because of this partnership uh, with the government that allows them to come in and what they say, plug and play, plug into this system 
and extract some of the exhaust gas, that really gives them real-world emissions that are the right temperature, the right pressure, the right humidity, the things that you can't always get right in a laboratory setting. So that's why this is so important. I think you'll like that story. And then my third story on Full Measure this week is an interview with a military analyst, a controversial guy because of what he did a few years ago in exposing what he thought was a fraud whereby it was being represented to Congress and the American people that we were having great success fighting the war in Afghanistan when he had been on the ground there and said we were not having success. And he's going to explain to us why he says America can't win wars anymore. I asked him questions about why is it that it seems like our military is really not allowed to fight the fight? How can you win a war when the enemy is very unrestricted, but we're not allowed to do a lot of different things? He talked about that. And I also talked with him about the concept that I've noticed when I've done stories about the work that we do overseas, the wars that we fight, and a lot of our work is quantified in terms of what I consider social work, how many schools our soldiers helped open, uh, how many women they were able to bring into law enforcement or into the military. You know, a lot of things that are really kind of social reconstruction, not what I think of traditionally as what soldiers are trained to do. And come to find out, a lot of people have had the same thought I have, uh, that our soldiers are doing a lot of social work rather than pursuing a well-defined military mission with a military goal. So you'll hear more from this military expert. Again, this is Sunday, February 28th on Full Measure. As always, I try to have original off-narrative reporting, stuff that didn't really used to be considered particularly controversial just a couple of years ago, but now a lot of media outlets are avoiding because it the kind of reporting I do may have viewpoints that have been declared off-limits or scientific studies and facts that may be proven true, but the powerful interests don't want us to see or want to controversialize, or just stories like in Nashville about other things going on in the world besides the same two or three stories we tend to see over and over again or read over and over again on the news because so many narratives are in play, we're missing a lot of the news that's happening around the country and around the world. As always, you can find a full measure station near you by going to CherylAckison.com and clicking the Full Measure tab. I have a list of stations. Or go to fullmeasure.news online and click About, and the list is there. You can also watch replays if you miss it on TV at fullmeasure.news on Sundays around noon Eastern time. We post the segments. You can watch them there for free. Very simple, very easy. We also have an app called Stir, S-T-I-R-R, that you can download or pick us up through Stir on Fire, Roku, Apple. And if you have us on Stir, you can watch us live or you can catch us on demand anytime. By the way, you can even see us live online if the feed's working properly. Fullmeasure.news at 9.30 Eastern time on Sunday. So, so many ways to watch. All of them repeated at CherylAckison.com under the Full Measure tab in case you forget. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and that you will subscribe to Full Measure After Hours, leave a great review and share it with your friends. Also watch out for the Cheryl Ackeson podcast, my other podcast, where I continue talking about off-narrative and interesting topics that other people find too hot to handle or you're only hearing maybe one side of an issue on. 
Don't forget to check out also my bestseller, Slanted, How the News Media Taught Us to Love Censorship and Hate Journalism. If you like this kind of reporting, I promise you will love Slanted and you will learn a lot about what's really behind the death of the news as we once knew it and what you can do about it. Do your own research, make up your own mind, think for yourself.